Hey, I'm James. Welcome to a safish space to listen to some scary stories. From true crime to urban legends and whatever comes between, let's take this time to dive into something dark and see what twists and turns these stories have for us. I would like to welcome you to the I Know What You Did Last podcast. After you. Welcome back to the I Know What You Did Last podcast. I have an urban legend story ready for us to hear tonight. This is an urban legend that has been around for a long time, and it has many different versions. It retains the core elements in each one of those versions, but the hows, the whos, and the whys, they can vastly differ. I'm going to let you guys into what I believe to be the spookiest rendition of this urban legend, so let's get cozy and slip away for a few minutes to a dark and unnerving time that takes place in the late 80s. It had been an eventful summer so far for Kelly, a woman in her late 20s who had finished school and was working in her field and had recently found love. Kelly lived and worked in Nevada, but had quite the commute to and from work, and sometimes she had to work late nights. In the past year, though, there had been a handful of murders in and around Nevada and the surrounding states. It was always the same thing. A body had been found in the driver's seat of their car, and the throats had all been slashed. And not a quick, efficient slash, either. More like... hacked. It was gruesome and horrifying, and it was all over the news. At first it was, anyway. The police had no leads, and there hadn't been a single witness or piece of evidence ever found. So eventually, even though investigations did continue, the coverage slowed dramatically, and everyone got back to their day-to-days worry-free, for the most part. Kelly's boss was understanding of the worries that the staff faced about working so late and had allowed them to opt out and others to volunteer, whoever felt comfortable working into the late hours and having the commute. Kelly had initially opted out, but after consideration of wanting to appear dependable and show her investment in the company, she volunteered to work one late shift a week. It was only a 45 minute commute after all, and she always had the day off after her late shift. Kelly lived alone, and her new partner would often stop by around lunchtime the next day to bring lunch and spend some time together. Kelly had been somewhat nervous for her first few shifts working late, but the nerves went away and she found herself enjoying the change in routine. She would take the same way home every time. She would get herself a milkshake as a treat and gas her car up before hitting the highway and heading home. The gas station was a little bit creepy, admittedly. It was a bit run down and not extremely well lit. It was a full service 24-7 though, and she appreciated not having to get out of the car. It was always the same employee when she went, and he was eerily quiet. He wouldn't ever offer or exchange pleasantries. He would just fill her tank, take her card, and head into the station. Once he charged the card, he'd bring it back with the receipt, and Kelly would drive home enjoying her milkshake and some music. The lack of exchanges initially weirded Kelly out, but then came to appreciate it and she enjoyed her swift tank fill before heading home. It seemed like forever since there had been another attack. Kelly had become a huge fan of her late night milkshake shifts and she was gearing herself up for another one on a particularly cold fall night. Kelly worked her shift with a bounce in her step and before she knew it, it was time to clock out and hit the road home. 
she used to get the heebie-jeebies walking into that quiet parking lot at night and getting into her car. Sometimes she'd hold her keys in between her fingers just in case and always kept her bag close to her side. Sometimes she would ask security or another coworker to see her to the car, but this all dropped away and Kelly found herself almost dancing to the car tonight, ready for her me time and her drive home. On her way out, she noticed the parking attendant had dozed off and fell asleep at their counter as she left, and it made her that much more excited to get home and into her own bed. Kelly pulled up to the usual fast food place and she ordered her milkshake at the drive-thru. In this moment, Kelly would face a devastation that she was not prepared for. The milkshake machine was broken. <laughs> Kelly drove off and decided to give up on the dream of a milkshake, get her gas, and get home. She pulled up to the gas station and slowly rolled up to the pump. He filled her tank for her, took her card, and headed back in. Kelly glances over at the attendant while he's inside, and she noticed that rather than charge the card, he's looking at Kelly. He has this kind of investigative look on his face. It's actually the most emotion or expression she had ever seen in him. Kelly looks away for a moment, and when she looks back, his expression has changed to something that she was almost afraid of. He was now fastly approaching the car, and Kelly begins to panic. She raises the window and she locks the doors. For the first time ever, Kelly would hear the voice of the man who has filled her tank for weeks. It was a raspy, low, and distressed voice. He would tell Kelly that he was sorry and that there was a problem with the card and she needed to come into the gas station. Kelly could barely hear him with the windows up, so she makes a gesture for him to repeat himself. He's louder this time and he puts his hand on the window and he does repeat himself. With his hand raised on the window, Kelly notices something she had never noticed before. The attendant had a long, gleaming blade on his hip. Not a regular knife though, it didn't even look that sharp. It looked more like a really worn and old machete. In this moment, Kelly felt her blood and her fear rush to every inch of her body. The newspaper headlines, the radio reports, the whispers in the lunchroom, all about the murders came flooding back to her. This blade could definitely hack a head off and Kelly was petrified. As she's processing this, the attendant begins to bang on her window. Raising his voice, he demands Kelly get out of the car. She puts her hand on the keys to start the ignition and he enters a full-blown fit of rage. He tries to pull her door open, he continues banging on the window and screaming at Kelly that she must come inside with him immediately. In this moment, she turns off the world. She would not hear another single word that is coming out of his mouth. She focused purely on survival and figuring out what to do. Kelly's entire world was changing. She felt fear, she felt anger at herself for being so comfortable and she felt determination that she would not succumb to being a murder statistic. She had visions of the car not starting or him smashing the window, but none of that mattered. She ignored every doubt and she immediately turned on that ignition and floored the gas. Kelly flew out of that parking lot and almost right off of the road. She would swerve and she avoided fishtailing off to the side. She would straighten her car out and speed off. She looked in the rearview mirror and sees the attendant running after the car. 
He has wielded the blade at this point and is moving faster than she ever thought a man on feet could. As he disappears into the distance and Kelly turns onto the highway, she lets out one single sigh of relief before she starts sobbing. She would cry to herself the entire way home, not once turning on the radio, not a single whisper to herself, just crying. She knew she was a strong woman, and she was impressed with her ability to recognize a threat and act accordingly. Her tears turned into an appreciation for life as she pulled into her driveway. Unfortunately for Kelly, her emotions are what would lead to her ultimate demise. When Kelly was planning her escape and tuned the world out, she didn't hear that the gas attendant actually had a reason for pleading with her. It wasn't so he could hurt her. It wasn't so he could do anything malicious. You see, the attendant was always so quiet and short with Kelly because he was a gentleman and he didn't think he had any business bothering a young woman traveling at night. He knew his job and he stuck to it. He appreciated the regular business in this quiet part of Nevada and wouldn't ever want to come across as a creep to a customer. Unfortunately, when the attendant had gone in to charge Kelly's card, he would notice something out of the corner of his eye. He wasn't certain, so he paused and investigated, and this is when Kelly thought he was staring at her, but he wasn't. He knew that what he saw wasn't good. He knew it meant certain doom for Kelly. It wasn't about business anymore, and it wasn't about being a gentleman. It was about saving this young woman's life. He would grab his machete from below the register, fearful of having to use it. He wasn't a violent man, but he had to do what he could to save her. He tried to be sly by acting like there was a problem with her card, but that didn't work. He tried to be stern and authoritative, and that didn't work. He finally tried to show the desperation by being as loud and emotional as he could, and that didn't work. He had no other choice but to open Kelly's door and pull her out, but it was locked. He had one last tactic, but before he could try it, Kelly would speed off. He would chase the car because it looked like she was going to veer off the road and this may be his final chance to save her. He was going to save Kelly no matter what. Unfortunately though, she wouldn't lose control of the car and she would disappear into the night without ever hearing the attendant's final screams. The attendant would stand on that cold, dark, deserted highway for what felt like hours. All while screaming, There is someone in your back seat. Kelly did arrive home. Unfortunately, she would never get out of her car. The killer would execute his signature killing by hacking Kelly to death where she sat. It was one of the more gruesome killings, with her head barely remaining attached to the body. Her partner would find the scene when they arrived the next day for their routine lunch date. The killer was never found. Alright, so that is what happened last in the urban legend commonly known as the killer in the backseat, or sometimes known as high beams in a variation of the legend where a separate vehicle traveling behind Kelly sees the killer and keeps flashing their high beams trying to warn her. That's just one of a few more popular variations on this legend. In most of them, she does usually fall victim to the killer, but a few versions have her survival. This legend is commonly used in mainstream media when referencing or illustrating urban legends, so it's been interpreted and mixed up quite a bit. As usual though, with urban legends here on the pod, I like to deliver what I personally believe to be the scariest variation, and this version hits all of those notes for me. 
I worked overnights for the first many years of my working life, and I know that feeling of silence and feeling alone. It resonates with me that should anything have ever happened, there's not much you can really do. It's just you versus them. To be completely honest with you, I would have done the same thing that Kelly did in this situation, and I would have lost my head for it. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have any comments or opinions on this urban legend, hit up the Instagram and let's hear them. Follow the podcast wherever you're listening, hit those download buttons, and come say hi on the gram. That's going to be it for this episode. So as always, my friends, stay spooky, be good, always check the back seat before you get in, and I trust you can see yourself out, right? Thanks for listening, and until next time...